Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Hey, I want to read a scripture uh, to you before I dig in today's message from week number three of For God So Loved. But I, I just had this idea, and I was reading a passage of scripture the other day, and this idea popped off the page to me, and it's this. The idea is the harvest is now. Yeah. I was trying to debate what I wanted to entitle this sermon, either the harvest is now or this is your moment. Maybe I should just make it one long title. This is your moment because the harvest is now. Doesn't work good on a podcast, but the harvest, the harvest is now. The Bible says in Luke chapter four, verse number 35, Jesus is looking at his disciples and he, he says this, and there's just a few of them actually. Uh, it's, it's, it's his church. <laughs> and he looks at it and he says, hey, I gotta give you a message here in light of what you've been experiencing. And he said, do you not say, or is there not a saying that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? That's Luke 4, 35. Before I go on, you gotta understand why he's saying this. and kind of the setting he is at. See, if you read the beginning of Luke chapter four, at the very beginning of Luke chapter four, Jesus has just, he's kind of went out of his way to visit a Samaritan woman. And if you know anything about that kind of, you know, time, Jews and Samaritans, it would have been uncommon for them to kind of commingle and communicate with one another. And so Jesus, he goes out of his way and he goes to meet this woman and here Jesus is and he's at a well and he's having this conversation and, and he tells the woman, he says, I've got so much more for you, basically. I'm paraphrasing it. He said, I know you've been trying to fill your life with relationships. In fact, you've had many. Um, but there is a hole in you that those relationships will never fill. There's a hole in you that the men that you've been seeking after will never fill. And, I wanna fill it with something and it's a living water. And this living water, you're kind of looking at it, I am he. I wanna fill it with something that it will change your life. Because whoever hungers and thirsts after me, they're gonna be satisfied to the very fullest. So he has this moment that radically changes this woman's life. I mean, it's, it's an incredible moment. For many of you, that was your moment. You came in hungry and thirsty at some point in your life. At some point in your life, you were hungry and thirsty and in search of something and the world had been trying to fill it in so many ways. And you met Jesus and you realized, I don't have to thirst anymore because the thing in which I've been trying to seek now is, is replaced or filled up by the only thing that can eternally fill me up. And so Jesus has this moment and it changes this woman's life because the Bible says that immediately afterwards she goes into the town and she starts like telling everybody about it. I mean, she, she decides she's gonna start the first church. She begins telling everybody about the moment, the encounter she just had with Jesus. And so Jesus is now with the disciples and he's looking on to the city where they just were. And he, he says, there is a saying that the harvest is still four months, but I tell you, open up your eyes. Open up your eyes, and he says, look, look 
to the fields. Do you see the fields? In other words, do you see what's happening down there, this moment, this encounter? Do you see the fields? They're white and ready for harvest. He's saying the harvest isn't later. The harvest is now. The harvest isn't four months from now. The harvest isn't at the end of my journey. The harvest isn't, you know, and they were eight months away from what they typically would know as the harvest season. The harvest isn't then. The harvest is now. I am moving now. And he's looking at these guys saying, you can operate in your purpose now. You can step out and make a difference now. You begin begin to do what you've heard me see and what you've, you know, or what you've seen and what you've heard me teach. You can go now. The harvest is now. He's looking at him and, and he's saying, this is your moment. I can't help but to think of the Hamilton song. As the disciples are like, yeah, I'm not going to miss my shot. Hey, not going to miss my shot. Hey, I'm young and I'm scrappy and I'm not going to miss my shot. You're welcome. I don't have a mic to drop. But that's the moment. They're like, I'm not going to miss my shot because the harvest is now. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about since the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was, he was calling people into the harvest. He was trying to help people understand the harvest. And so I want to show you a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 4. And it says this, And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, uh, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, and they were casting their nets into the sea for they were what? They were fishermen. And so here Jesus is and he's walking by these two guys and they're casting their net into the seas doing what they do, fishermen. And the Bible goes on to say this, he said unto them, come, like follow me, follow me. Isn't that the same call that all of us received when we said yes to Jesus? Hey, follow me now. Uh, take, up, take up the cross, lay your life down, and you know, come, come follow after me. Be about my agenda. Let's, let's go on this journey together. Follow me. And he said, I will make you, and many of you guys, you know the rest of the scripture. But he said, I will make you. Make you into what? Well, there's a lot of things I would opt that Jesus would make me into. Can I get an amen? Some of you, you know, you're with me. You're like, I would opt that he'd make me a little skinnier. You know what I'm saying? I would opt that he'd make me maybe a little taller, a little richer, maybe a better leader at times. I would opt for him to make me a lot of things. I would opt for sometimes, you know, maybe you're thinking I would opt for him to make me more holy or make me more spiritual or, you know, make me more handsome or, you know, make me less handsome because I'm just so good looking, you know, or whatever. But there's a lot of things. Make me more organized. There's so many things I would just say, you know, Jesus, I would opt for you to make me that. I would offer you to make me a better student or a better athlete or a better mom or a better dad or a better spouse. So many things that, that we would opt for Jesus to make us. And the truth is, many of those things, as you enter into a relationship with Jesus, he does make us into some of those things. A relationship with Jesus, guess what? There is some byproducts when you follow his way and follow your plans that you do become a better mom and you do become a better dad and you can become a better husband. And, you know, I don't know if he can make me skinnier, but in Jesus' name, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that he can opt to do in my life and there's a lot of things that he can do and while all those things are great, and while all those things are things we'd love to see Jesus in our lives, Jesus said, I want to do something more than that. Yeah. I want to do something more for you. I want to opt to make you into something that 
You may not be thinking about, it may not make sense to you, but it will as we go on our journey together. And he said this, he said, if you follow me, I will make you what? I'll make you fishers of men. In the Gospel of Luke, he says, you'll no longer fish for fish, but you'll fish for men. He said, I'm going to make you into something because the harvest, guys, is now. The time has come where the harvest isn't later, but the harvest is now. And so I have a responsibility as you follow me to turn you into something that can help change the world. And he said, I'll make you into a fisher of men. They wouldn't catch fish anymore, but they would catch fish. And so I know, I know, I know. You're like, oh, is this one of those evangelism topics? I don't like those. Right? There's, I can feel it in the air almost. As soon as I said it, like fishing, inviting. Nope. I've seen those people, and I do not want to be one of those. They're super weird. They wear the white shirts and the white shoes, and they have the bullhorn, and they're like, turn or burn, you're going to hell, you know? You're like, I do not want to be one of those. And some of you, maybe that's the call that God's put on your life, but for many of you, you're like, that is not me. I'm not passing out tracks. I'm not doing that. And so I'm good with the evangelism message. I actually want him just to make me holier and more spiritual and all that, but I don't know if I'm down with being a fisherman. I hate fish. I don't like the smell of fish. I don't like to clean fish. I don't like to catch fish. I don't even know how to fish. And so God, don't make me into that. Just make my neighbor into that. <laughs> right? Because fishing, this idea of, of, of immediately stepping into something like evangelism can be pretty tough. And Jesus said, actually, a byproduct of you following me to everybody else will actually be you fishing. In fact, do you want to know the very best way for you to know if God is working in your life? And let me say it this way. You've allowed God to work in your life. God is always wanting to work. It's whether or not we'll allow him to work. The very best way that you can know that you and God are in sync together is when you wake up every day with this desire to fish. Because followers, whether you knew this or not, followers, guess what? They fish. People that follow Jesus, there is this insatiable quince in them to say, I want to go invite. I've got to tell somebody. I mean, we see it story after story after story in the Bible that when people meet with Jesus and when they encounter Jesus, you know what they do right after that? They go and tell somebody. I mean, even these two brothers that were fishing, the first thing that Simon did is he went and got Andrew when this, this whole moment, see Simon and Andrew, Simon was at a point where they were waiting for the Messiah and the Messiah, John the Baptist was like, hey, he's come. And he's like, uh, Simon says, I'm gonna go spend some time there. I'm gonna go spend the day with him. He spends the day with them. And the Bible says immediately he went and got his brother, Andrew. He's like, or, or Simon, sorry, I got those backwards. Um, anyways, he goes, the brothers invite each other, and they say, hey, we, we've got to go follow this Messiah. There was this thing in them that invited people to them as they followed Jesus. And so I would say this, that as you follow Jesus, um, there should be something in you that awakens that says, you know what, I think I'm called to invite. I think I'm called to tell other people about what I have experienced and that is the hope of this world, Jesus Christ. It's changed my life. It's changed my family. It's changed my parenting. It's changed my way, you know, the way I do business. It's just made a difference in me. But there's so many reasons why this can become difficult and challenging, right? 
I mean, there's so many reasons why we don't want to tell other people about Jesus and why we often don't invite. The first one is this. Maybe you just, you just didn't know you were supposed to. Like what I'm saying today is kind of new to you. You're like, oh, I didn't know I had a responsibility to do that. I didn't know I was supposed to. I kind of thought it was the pastor's job. Or I thought it was like those that God called. I thought it was like a spiritual gift that God put on somebody and like some were supposed to invite and some weren't, but I, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. And so that's a valid reason. So maybe you think, you know, I'm just, I'm not supposed to. Maybe you're, you know, amongst the other reason you don't invite is you just think, well, I don't really know how. And that's a very valid reason. I, I, I don't know how and I don't even know where to begin. And I get that, right? I mean, there's that person in front of you sometimes you're like, I think I should tell them about Jesus, but what if they ask me a hard question? What if I have to quote a scripture? I don't really know a lot of scripture. And so it can become real intimidating. We're like, I don't know if I can invite. I know maybe God wants to make me a fisher of men, but, but I don't know how to invite. I didn't even really know I was supposed to. Or furthermore, I'm just kind of afraid. I'm afraid if I talk to that person, and that's the third reason. I'm afraid if I talk to that person that, you know, maybe they won't like it. Maybe if I say something to them, they're going to be like, I can't believe you asked me that. Are you crazy? The answer is no. Or you're just a little, you know, you're a little embarrassed. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I mean, just all honesty. You ever felt like you were supposed to go up to somebody and you're like, what will they think of me? And so sometimes we kind of push ourselves back and we're like, oh, I don't know if I should do that because we're scared. We don't know if we're going to know what to say. Maybe we don't have time or we're just, we're just embarrassed. We're kind of afraid what our friends would. And this is especially true with the people that are closest to us. Yeah. Yeah. See, I would say that the most powerful invitation that you can give is not the invitation to the stranger, but to the one that God has put close to you. See, there are people that are in all of our lives that are close to us, but probably far from God. And these invitations are, they're hard. Because you're like, they know me. They, they know my past. I, I don't think that they would think I'm for real about this. Or they might judge me. Or they might say something different, you know, think something different about me. Or if I invite them and they say no, it's going to make Thanksgiving super awkward, you know. It's going to make that trip to the lake this weekend super awkward. So it's just easier for me if I don't. And so I get it. I get that this can be a very challenging thing. But, but whether or not it's challenging or easy to you, we all have a responsibility to do it. And I think that there's no better season to really understand this concept than the season that we're about to head into. And, and so this message, while it may seem random, it's actually very planned out and it's very specifically placed in a time of the year that I think uh, the church needs to hear it. See, one of the things that we, we talk about kind of behind the scenes here at, at church as a leadership team is stacking the dominoes. In other words, how can we kind of put some things in place and put some rhythms in place where they kind of fall in line in the right season? And this is one of those things that's a very stacking the domino kind of season and very strategically placed when it comes to inviting people. Because for whatever reason, in the fall, the month of September, more people, whether you invite them or not, whether you you know, go out and tell them about Jesus or not, come to Jesus. Come to faith. Statistically, outside of Christmas and Easter, the fall is just a time for whatever reason where people are like, I think I should go back to church. I think I should give God a shot. And so that's the season that we're about to head in 
as a church, but not only as a church, just, just in our culture and in our society, where if history rings true, and I know this could be any season, but I'm just saying, for whatever reason, historically, in the United States of America, people go back to church in September, and so I think we have a very strategic opportunity to just have this in mind as people are coming. That as people are coming, we're sensitive to knowing that we have a responsibility to invite, and this would be a very heightened thing in our mind during this season. And so we're going to do everything as a church, and I'll give you a couple scriptures here in a second, but I want to just kind of peel the, the curtain back and show you kind of what we're thinking as a church as we go into this next season. If this is the season that we're heading into, people are hungry for God, typically, and, and we want to set ourselves up and be prepared for that, then what are we doing as a church? Well, the first thing that we're doing is this. We're going into a season of 21 days of prayer. Yeah. And so we're saying, okay, God, if this is a season where people normally go back to church, then I want to pray for that. I want to pray that you would show up. I want to pray as people show up that they would feel your presence. I want to pray that you would keep my eyes open to those that are hurting around me. I want to pray that you would keep my heart in tune to this season. I want to pray that you would help me be on the lookout. And so as a church, we really want to bathe this next season in prayer. Because if people are going to visit our church, we want them to do more than just encounter us. But we want them to encounter the very presence of a living God that can change their life that can change their marriage, that can change their parenting. They can do, listen, they can do far more with Christ than they may have ever realized. And so we want to pray that Christ would show up in their lives, that they wouldn't just hear me or hear a good band, but they would feel God's presence. And so that's kind of why we do 21 days of prayer in August. And it's just a good reset. I mean, we all have been on summer break. And so sometimes it's nice to just say, okay, God, I'm ready to kind of just get refreshed. And as you do that, guess what happens? It kind of helps you breathe again. It kind of helps you breathe in the presence of God again and prepare yourself for what is, I mean, honestly, isn't it a kind of a hectic season as you go into the fall? You got Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that. And we need to have breath in our lungs so we can inhale the presence of God. And so with that in mind, the month of August, we're actually going to do a series called Breathe Again. And this series really is for you. This is a series for, for, for you to, to come in, and I want to I help show you how when life takes the breath out of you, that when your job can kind of suck the life out of you, and when, you know, whatever it is, relationships can try to suck the life out of you, and the lack of time can suck the life out of you, that God has something he wants to put in you to help you breathe again. And so I want to show you how you can connect with God in a very powerful way, and it would help you breathe again. Then the last Sunday in August, we're going to do what we call Vision Sunday. And so Vision Sunday is, is the one time of year where we're going to get the opportunity to hear from our global senior pastor, Pastor Daniel Floyd in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And so once a year, uh, we decided we want to have this moment where we can hear from our global senior pastor collectively as a church just for vision of where the house, Life Point, is going. And so I want you guys to be able to experience that. So it's going to be a powerful Sunday. And so that's the last Sunday in August. And then in September... People are coming back to church, so what do they need? Well, we want to help give them some, some tools and some resources to help them. And so in the month of September, we're going to do a series called Out of the Cave, based on a book by a pastor uh, that, that came out a few months ago on the topic of depression. And so I'm very fired up about sharing that with our church and sharing that with people that, honestly, you're probably going to be inviting and just say, hey, if you've ever struggled with depression, you've ever struggled with anxiety, we want to help you see what the Bible has to say about that. And we want to help people out of the cave that they may get into. Yeah, 
Then in the fall, we're going to do a series called At the Movies. We're going to film in a couple weeks for that. And so I'm just so excited. So I, I say all that to say, as a church, we're actually thinking about this season. Yeah. We're thinking about what's next, and we're doing everything in our power to feed you and lead you because my job is a shepherd, yeah. okay? I'm a pastor shepherd, and so what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to feed you and lead you, take you from here to there to there. And so that's what today is about, feeding you and leading you and showing you, hey, this is what's next. This is what's coming up. Let's be ready as a church. And so let me talk about inviting. Let me give you today, I think, four things. Next week, uh, today, if I were to say, if I were breaking them up on, on inviting, I would say this week is about the why, why we actually need to do it. And then next week, I want to get real practical and show you some how. And it doesn't mean you're going to stand outside with a megaphone, all right? And so you'll come back next week for part number two. But why should we invite? Why should we tell people about Jesus? Well, the first is this. I think there's just joy in it. There's joy in inviting people. And if you've ever invited somebody to church and you've ever seen anybody give their lives to Christ, you understand this. You understand what it means to, to really... I, I think it's one of the biggest thrills, honestly. It's one of the biggest thrills that you'd ever experience as a believer. Outside of salvation, there is nothing better than knowing that you are a part of introducing somebody else to a Savior that wants to give them salvation. There's so much joy when you see a friend come in and they raise their hand and at the, at the end of service, they come up to you and say, no, I just felt something different today. I just feel hope again. I just feel like God's going to do something in my life. There's so much joy in that. And if you've never experienced that, man, Jesus wants you to experience that. As your pastor, I want you to experience that. I mean, I promise you, you can memorize a thousand scriptures. You can fast 365 days a year. Nothing will bring you a sense of joy and satisfaction like the thrill of introducing somebody to Jesus that didn't know God, was far from God, didn't want to give God a chance, and then they say yes to Jesus. It's fun. It's really fun. There's, there's joy when you get this. And I'm not saying you got to do it like every day of the week, but I am saying God is putting people in your life that you're perfectly positioned with, that you're intertwined with. They're at your job. They're in your neighborhood. They're, they're in your family. And he wants you to experience the joy of seeing them say yes to, to him. In fact, in Luke 15, 10, the Bible says when one person, like when, 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 when a sinner repents, when a person gives their life to Christ, there is a party in heaven. What is there? There is joy in the presence of angels. See, there's joy when we invite people. There's joy when a sinner says yes to Jesus. And I want us to experience that joy. Where we see somebody converted from misery to hope. We see somebody go from life or from death to life. So it's a joy that I think is so important for us all to experience. And so I think the number one reason why we should all invite people to church is there's just, there's joy in it. The second is this, and this most be, might be the most theological answer of the four, but it's inviting is actually necessary. It, it's, not, it's not really something that Jesus said, this is optional for the believer. He said, it's actually necessary. It's something that I've, I've designed you, desire you, and actually have called you to do. See, inviting is necessary. 
Let me read this scripture for you. In Romans, it says this, and I just want to read you the first part. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? So it gives us the indication that those that do not call on the name of the Lord will, what, not be saved. You're like, wow, you're such a Bible scholar. I know, Selah, thank you. No, for everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be, will be saved. Saved from what? Hell? I know that's not real popular these days to say that word, but I believe that heaven and hell are real. I believe that there is a real heaven and a real hell. And Satan is doing his very best to populate hell. And as a church, we want to do our very best to rob them from Satan, pull them out of that and say, no, we're here to populate heaven. We're here to not just bring heaven on earth. We're here to populate heaven because there will be a judgment day. There will be a moment where they stand in front of God and their name will either be written in the book or it won't be. He'll either say, well done, or he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And I know that's not popular to preach, but it's the very essence of the gospel. Without that, there is no gospel. Without that, there is no truth. What are we doing? What did Jesus come to save us from? Well, our sin that separated us, and the Bible says those wages of sin were death. And so Jesus said, it's not my will that anyone should perish, but all would have what? Everlasting life, life with me, life in heaven. And so inviting, it's necessary because people are going to hell without Jesus. And so what a great responsibility that we have to tell them about him. To tell them. To tell them about the Savior that's impacted your life. See, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it goes on to say this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how will they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can someone hear about him Unless someone tells them. Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they they be saved unless they believe in him? But how will they believe in him if they've never... I love how Paul just like dumbs it down. How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? But how can they ever hear unless somebody tells And so you and I, we're the ones to tell. And then it goes on to kind of share my responsibility in this. It goes on to say this in verse number 15. It says, and how will anyone go and tell without them being sent? In other words, how will you go and fulfill what you're supposed to do unless I tell you to go do it? In Jesus' name, you are commissioned. I send you to go and preach and teach and tell people about Jesus because they need to hear about him. They need to hear about him. It goes on to say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news, just quoting the book of Isaiah. You guys have beautiful feet. That's nasty. 
And so inviting, it's, there's joy in it, but it's also, it's also very necessary. And then number three, and I guess this one would be enough, Jesus asked us to do it. Jesus asked us to do it. He asked us to invite people. Matthew 28, 19. And this, this, I mean, this single reason should be enough. He says, therefore, go. Go and what? Make disciples of all nations. That's in Louisville and in Kentucky and every state and in the U.S. and across the world. Just make disciples of all of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's not just here, but in fact, in every single gospel. The gospel ends with almost the same sort of commission. We actually call it the great commission. Also, the book of Acts ends the same way with this idea of going. Let me show you. Mark 16, 15 says this. He said to them, go. There it is again. Go into all the world and preach and teach to all creation. Then in Luke, he says this, Luke 24 He said, it is also written this message that it would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. There it is, that we should go proclaim the message. John 20, 21, again, Jesus says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Now I am sending you because how can they hear without one being sent to tell them? And Jesus said, I'm I'm sending you in the book of Acts. It says, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to do what? Power to be my witnesses. No, when the Holy Spirit comes on me, I'm getting power to heal, and I'm getting power to have faith. I'm getting power to have, you know, be holy. I'm getting power to do all this stuff. And yes, those things come with that. But there is no greater power, and the power was not for you. The power was something in you that would do something that would flow out of you, that would reach the world. And so, so many Holy Spirit people, right? We think the Holy Spirit is just for us, and yes, God is so beautiful that he sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us and do something in our life and to intercede. All these things that the Holy Spirit does for us, but it's not just for you. The power that is in the Holy Spirit was so that you would take the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the whole world. You would be witnesses. That's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. Gave it to you. Go. To go. That's who we're called to be as a church. You want to know what kind of church we are? You might say, is this a seeker church? Is this a Pentecostal church? Are you kind of Baptist? What are you? What kind of church are you? You want to know what kind of church we are? We're a great commission church. This is who we are. We're a great commission church. We're a church that wants to see people far from God become fully alive in Christ. What kind of church are we? We're a church that wants to populate heaven. What kind of church are we? We're a church that wants to help the brokenhearted and tell them there is hope and there is joy and there is peace found in Christ. What kind of church are we? We're the type of church that has a backbone standing up to the enemy that says we will not let you, we will not let you take my son, my daughter, my brother, my sister, my uncle, my coworker. I will not let you take them to hell but no, we will reach for them and we will pray for them and we will show light. What kind of church are we? We're a great commission church. I thought church was about me. 
I thought church was about making me better and making me holier and making me, you know. Those are byproducts, hopefully, of a great church. As a pastor, I want to lead you to Jesus. I want to help you be better husbands and be better wives and all of those things. But more than anything, I want to help you so let your light shine before men. If all I do is help make you better, then I failed. If all I do is point to a God that makes you better at life, what good was this? So have a responsibility to just say, Jesus, help me lead our church to the broken. See, if we always reach the broken, always be an audience here. This is not about making our church bigger. It's not about, like, there's nothing that thrills me by just, you know, I'm not looking to, you know, lay my head on the pillow at night and say, wow, I'm such a good leader. Organizationally, we grew and we did such a good job. And I want LifePoint to be famous and, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No, I want to populate heaven. I want to get to the end of my life and say, God, I did everything I can to lead the people that you called me to lead. You sent me to Louisville, Kentucky. You gave me a body of people. You said you're to shepherd them. And God, I led them. I fed them. I did my very best to point them to you and then send them and release them and tell them to go. I did my very best to just be a great commission church. And if that isn't all enough, can I remind you, number four, that someone once invited you Why should we invite? It's fun. It's necessary. God commissioned you to do it. But more than that, somebody once invited you. And your life is better for it, right? Your life is better for it. Your world is better for it. Your marriage is better for it. Your family is better for it. That addiction you never thought you'd beat. You beat it and you're better for it. That anxiety that just like constantly filled you up. It's been released and you've exchanged heaviness for this this garment of joy and peace. You're better for it because somebody invited you. Very seldom do people end up in a church just because they drove by and felt compelled to do so. Wow, they do. I would say even in those individuals, there has been seeds that have been planted along the way by people that when they pulled by, they thought, I should go there. I thank God for Kara and Eunice Whiteley, who for whatever reason decided to pick me up 15-year-old boy and take me to church when my family wasn't even really going to church and just plant a seed. And then Josh Shields seeing my dad at a gas station, inviting him to church, changing my family's life. My dad going from, from death to life. A 
addiction to freedom, family of brokenness to, to wholeness, honestly. Thank God somebody cared about me. See, somebody cared about you and invited you. And so why should you invite? <laughs> because someone once invited you. Here you are today. And maybe that should be reason enough. And so, here we are. Look out into the fields. The harvest, it's ready. The harvest, it's now. The harvest is now. This is your moment. But it's up to us whether or not we'll walk into that moment. I leave you with this last scripture in Matthew 9, verse 35. It says, And Jesus went through all the city. He went through all the city, teaching and what? Just proclaiming the gospel, spreading the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. It goes on to say this. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless and like sheep without a shepherd. And God said, that should not be so. He just felt compassion on them. And he said to his disciples, you see the crowd out there that is without a shepherd, without hope, without God? He said, look, the harvest is plentiful. I would say if you were to look out at your job, look across your circle of influence that we talked about last week, you would see a plentiful harvest. And I know you're scared. I know maybe, maybe you don't think you have it all. I know there may be some intrepidation in you, but this is your moment. This is our moment, church. We're going into a season, for whatever reason, people are naturally inclined to say yes to an invitation. And so, he said the harvest is plentiful, but he said, unfortunately, the laborers are few. So he goes on and he just looks at him and he says, so let's, let's, let's pray. Let's pray that God, the God of the harvest would send laborers, would send laborers into that harvest. And so that's my prayer today as we close. Harvest is now. And so Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, would you send laborers into the harvest? I commission you in whatever it is you're doing. I commission you in high schools. I commission you at parks. I commission you at Starbucks. I commission you in entertainment and arts and media and culture. And whatever it is that you do, I, I commission you, I send you, and I say, go, go. You are the laborers that will labor with Jesus and collect the harvest for this generation. And I would say this, the harvest is plentiful, guys. All around us, there are hurting, all around us. There are people that need Jesus. They're ready for you. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, may you allow us to rise up to the challenge of understanding the necessity of sharing our faith with others.
God, I don't know why you chose to use us, but you did. And so, God, how can one be, be saved without someone telling them? God, may we be the ones that go and tell. And just like the woman that had an encounter with you, that met you at the well, may as we encounter you, may we not keep it to ourselves, but may we share it with all those that are around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.